we're going to read together tonight now from the Old Testament Scriptures, and we're going to be reading from the book of Deuteronomy. That is the fifth book in the Bible. And if you don't know where it is, well, you just maybe want to listen, but uh, it's not too far in, just uh, the fifth book in the Bible, and we're reading from chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and commencing to read at verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 11. And Moses is the speaker here at the end of his life. And he's speaking to a vast congregation of people that he has been leading for some 40 years. And he says, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldst say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it down to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldst say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh or very near unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. And then this verse, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. We shall conclude there at verse 19 and trust that God will bless his word to our hearts. You know, although this is written a long time back, and we would need to go back some 3,000 years and maybe more in history to get right back to this point in Old Testament history, the principle that is laid down in that last verse, is a timeless principle. The background is very different to the congregation this evening, but the parallels are the same. And there are striking similarities between that scene that we read about and this scene tonight in the lifeboat. Just a little background to it here, the man of God, Moses, the man who knew God face to face who had led this people, has come to the end of his journey almost. And you know, when someone's coming near the end of their journey and the end of their ministry, they realize that every opportunity they have to speak on God's behalf is a vital opportunity. Now, we've never had a cavalier attitude to our ministry, Bertie. 
or Gilbert. We've never had a cavalier attitude to our ministry. Every time we stand before people, we feel the burden of God's heart upon our hearts. We feel the value of people who sit before us. And the congregations that sit before me, almost 50 years now of ministry, oh, more than that, 55 actually, I've never ceased to lose the wonder and the sense of excitement of seeing people who have come to hear not a preacher, but God's Word. And this Word fascinates me because every time I speak it, I feel as if God is the speaker and He ought to be the speaker tonight to enter into all our hearts. That we might go away saying, you know, not to say, that was a good sermon or wasn't that well preached, but to say, isn't God a great God? Isn't His salvation a great salvation? Isn't His invitation gilt-edged and golden-edged? And why wouldn't I put my hand into His nail-pierced hand and trust Him? Absolutely, friends, tonight. So here's the man of God, Moses, before the people. And he feels himself to be on the way of leaving this earth and to go to his reward. And so he speaks into their hearts. And of course, he has taught them so much. And over the years, they have come and gone and been wayward and obedient and disobedient. And he's been through all those different vicissitudes of life that they have seen and felt and known down through the years in the wilderness. But now he speaks to them because he wants to lay a truth in their hearts that will touch their lives, not just for now, but for the years after he is gone. Do you know this, ladies and gentlemen? That's exactly how I feel this evening. We have come to the last week of the mission. Now, I wasn't too sure how many weeks there would be in the mission when we started, but this tricky man that I've been working with, he got me here and then he won't let me go. But we're still here, but we're here for another few nights. And God willing, we're going to be trusting that there will be those of you who will be wonderfully saved during this week. What a momentous week this could be for you. Again tonight, I'm looking down and I see men who were saved way back over 50 years ago when we were in evangelistic missions. And some of you young men, 50 years from now, you could be like the men that I'm looking at just now. Some of you boys and girls, 50 years from now, you can be adult people in middle age and you can say, back at the lifeboat on that week in the month of October in the year 2021, I came to Jesus Christ. Will you be the one? Will you be the boy, the girl, the man, the woman? who will turn and seek the Lord Jesus in this mission, maybe even tonight. The witnesses to the meeting that day were high witnesses. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. We could go to many places in our society and we could mingle with people who have many different interests. But there is no place so significant to be as in the presence of God in a meeting like this. And why do I say that? Because we're not in the marketplace, friends. 
We're in the presence of God. The God who made us, who gave a beating heart within our breast, and who at the same power could take it from us and allow us to slip from time to eternity quicker than I can speak the sentence. But in the mercy of God, he has allowed us to be here. Because tonight, he wants you not only to hear, but to listen. It's like a man, I said to him one time after many meetings, I said, are you hearing me? Oh yes, he said, Mr. Stewart, I'm hearing you. I said, are you listening? (laughs) It's one thing to be hearing, but it's another thing to be listening. It means you're engaged. You're engaged. And you're taking on board the issue. And so in the presence of God, It's not an exaggeration to say that I call heaven to record this day against you. Not only you, but me. Because I have a day too when I must face and give an account. And that day is the judgment seat day when I will be called along with all those who have served the Lord to the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of our ministry. And that's an awesome thing to think that I will have to give an account of my ministry and how I have dispensed my duty to those who are immortal souls that are either Godward or hellward tonight. And so tonight I call heaven, God, my Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, the divine and gracious Holy Spirit. I call them now to record this evening against every single person and to make a record of your responses in your spirit to this special moment in your life. I wonder when the book is opened what the record will be. Not only tonight is God interested and the Spirit of God and the Son of God But angels are interested tonight in what is happening at the lifeboat as much as they are everywhere else where the word of God is spoken. And they are interested tonight to see what is going to happen as a result of the service. And demons are interested too. And the devil is interested too. And earth is interested too. Because there are people around you tonight as an individual who are maybe thinking, what will she do with Jesus? What will he do with Jesus? Maybe there's a mother and she's thinking, what will my son do with Jesus tonight? What will my daughter do with Jesus tonight? When I was sitting as a young man in a church mission, evangelistic mission in Oma, my mother was thinking on that night, what will Eric do with Jesus tonight? You talk about a happy mother after I took my stand for Jesus. Talk about a happy woman whenever she had her eldest boy wait behind and go forward and seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, tonight your mom would be happy if you would put your hand into the hand of Jesus. She has prayed for you, maybe before you were born. Earth is watching. Mother is watching. Father is praying. He's waiting. Or maybe tonight, son or daughter, they have been praying for you as a father. 
or as a mother, and you're not yet saved. We've seen that down through the years as well, where a son will come to the Lord and his father who is still following the things of the world and the ways of the world watches his son go forward and trust Christ and then he is still outside the kingdom and still lost and still bound for a Christless eternity. Oh, my dear people, the stakes are high whenever we're in a meeting like this because heaven is interested and earth is interested and the underworld is interested. They are witnesses tonight. And what are they here for? What are they witnessing? What are they watching for? Well, the servant of the Lord went on to say, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. Those are the options. Those are the options. People work in our frontline services. They are in the ministry and mission of life and death missions. Those who are in the air ambulance are people who are involved in life and death issues. When they're called and they fly to a situation, they're never maybe exactly sure what they're going to find when they get there whether there's someone who is still breathing and still got a beating heart and still got a pulse, or whether the person they are going to find has already expired and life is over. That's a life and death situation. I'm in a life and death situation. My issues tonight are clear because I'm speaking about life on one hand in Jesus, and death on the other hand outside of Jesus. How amazing and wonderful when we come into the New Testament that we find the Lord Jesus coming and saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He that believeth on the Son hath life. But there's the other side of the coin. He that believeth not the Son of God hath not life. When the Apostle Paul came to Ephesus, he found a people who were religious. Some of them were involved in occultism, spiritistic practices, plenty of magical books, they weren't short of religion and all kinds of spiritistic activity. But when he preached the message of the cross of Jesus, the Spirit of God brought some of those Ephesian believers to the Savior. And they were wonderfully saved by the power of God. And when the Apostle Paul wrote back to them, he said, You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And dear people tonight, Jesus has come and he finds you in the cemetery of your sinfulness. He finds you dead to the things of God and eternity. You say, Eric, how is it I don't really understand it? How is it I haven't really got the feeling about this that you have? How is it that I'm not enthusiastic like you are? Well, and maybe it's because you're dead. 
There's nothing in you tonight that's responding in yourself. But somehow, somehow, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking into your heart. And maybe in the meeting's gone, you've heard him speak to your heart. Maybe you're saying, well, you know, Eric, if you only knew me, I'm here under duress tonight. I I don't really want to be here. But I couldn't get out of it. It was a bit like me before I was converted. My father used to want me to go to missions, and I didn't really want to go. You know the feeling, don't you, boys? I didn't want to go. I said, no, I can't go tonight. I've got too many homeworks. Not that I was terribly interested in the homeworks, but they were a good issue to bring up when I wasn't wanting to go to the mission. And when it came to the Friday, he said, but Eric, you can do the homeworks on the Saturday night. Come on to the mission tonight. And when I got there, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. It rubbed me the wrong way. And you know, when you rub a cat the wrong way, he doesn't like it. Billy Sunday used to just say, turn around and you'll be stroked the right way. <laughs> oh, the things I didn't want and the meetings I didn't appreciate and the speaking I didn't like I was dead. I was dead in my sin. And I was separated from God. I was without God, without Jesus Christ. And I was also without hope. I was in a dire condition. You are too. You are too. You maybe can't register that. I didn't know that so much, nor feel it maybe is the better way to put it, so much until the Lord began to speak to me. Then I began to feel it. Then I began to have concern. Then I began to wrestle with the issue. And then it began to burn within my conscience and my consciousness. I need to do something about this. I need to seek the Lord. And I need to seek Him when He is to be found. And I need to call upon Him when He's near. I knew that. And the Lord was drawing me. And tonight, this is a God-given opportunity. Dear lady tonight, dear man tonight, this mission is a God-given opportunity for you to leave your sin, to turn from your wicked ways, to come to the cross, to seek the Lord, and cast yourself upon Him and cry out like I did, God Be merciful to me, a sinner. And do you know what happens? You pass from, you've got it, death unto life. From death unto life. Once I was blind, but now the light I see. Once I was dead, but now in God I live and tell the world around the peace that Jesus gives. Are you alive tonight? You say, yes, Eric, I am. I'm alive. I can tell you when it happened. I could take you to the place. I remember when the Lord saved me by his wonderful grace. And what has happened to those people can happen to you. Because it's no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. And God has no favorites. No favorites. The same Lord over all is rich unto all for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some years ago, many years back, one of the astronauts, 
the U.S. astronauts, was listening to a gospel program. He didn't know Jesus. He wasn't converted. And then as he listened, he heard a man say, Whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. Or it was a whosoever verse from the Bible. And he said, the Holy Spirit put his finger on me. You are that whosoever. And there's not an excluded person tonight in the lifeboat. Do you know something, friends? The only people who are excluded are those who exclude themselves. You can put yourself in to that whosoever word and say, hey, that'll be me. God so loved the world that Eric, believing in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Put your name in there and find life in Jesus. Mm. What an amazing gift that is. The gift of life. What a tragedy whenever death comes. If it's a tragic death. And when that corpse is laid out, not all the energy in our world can put life back into it. But Jesus can take people who are spiritually dead and breathe his saving life into your life. And friends, tonight, there's life for a look at the crucified one. There's life at this moment for thee. Then look, sinner, look unto him and be saved. Unto him who was nailed to the tree. Look, look, look and live. It is only that you look and live. He says that all it is, Eric. Do I not need to go to church? Do I not need to climb mountains? Do I not need to say prayers? Do I not need to pay in? Do I not need to do this? My friend, salvation is by faith plus no works. For it's not of works. It is the gift of God. Of course, when you trust the Savior, then you begin to work for Him. But you don't work for your salvation. You work because you are saved. You say, I've never heard that before. I thought you had to pay so much. I thought you had to pray so much. I thought you had... Do you know this man, Moses, said, we don't need to go away to a mountain to bring it down. We don't need to go across the sea to find it. It's right here. It's right here. And Jesus is passing this way. This way, today, Jesus is passing this way. He's passing this way tonight. And he says, I want to take your life and I want to bless you with my blessing that is multiple blessing. That's commendation. And the opposite of it is condemnation. Moses said, blessing and cursing. And I've simplified that commendation and condemnation. And tonight a life outside of Jesus is under condemnation. When we were looking out this evening, 
just before we came into the sanctuary, just across there, right in front of the, uh, the lifeboat here, there was a big old black dark cloud. And you know, over every life without Jesus, there's a dark black cloud. And it's a cloud of God's frown. It's a cloud of being under God's condemnation because we are condemned already sinners. <laughs> yes, we are. But wonderful Jesus, when he comes into your life, no condemnation. Now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. And the beautiful thing about it was this tonight. As we looked out there, and it was so nice that Wesley got the camera out and took a picture, there was a double rainbow. And against every black cloud of judgment and condemnation, there steps out a rainbow of grace and love. And tonight, there's a rainbow of love that has its anchor in heaven and its anchor in the cross. And through that rainbow tonight, you and I can come into the wonderful blessing of God's blessing. What about that? Oh, my people tonight. Talk about a package, a present package. Sometimes you buy something and the girl says, would you like it gift wrapped? <laughs> And she'll take it there and she'll do it all up nice and put nice bows on and things. And God says, would you like it gift wrapped? Friends, tonight it's gift wrapped already. And it's gift wrapped with the precious name and the precious blood of Jesus. And he says, here's my gift. Was ever a gift like the Savior given? No, not one. No, not one. The gift of God is eternal life. I imagine tonight if I was to come to you and offer you a gift, I really don't think there's anybody would spurn my gift. You have more manners than that. You're very mannerly people. You would accept it, and even though it was only a pair of socks, you would say, oh, thank you very much. You know, we all get pairs of socks at Christmas time. And we say, oh, that's really lovely. Thank you. They're very nice socks. And you've got about 20 pairs of socks in the drawer back home. But you don't want to insult the person. The lovely Lord Jesus comes tonight. And he offers you a gift. Are you going to insult him? And say, I don't want your gift. I don't want your salvation. I don't want you, Jesus. Or on the other hand, are you going to think tonight intelligently, thoughtfully, and say, you know, I should receive this gift. I should embrace this salvation. I should take this Savior to be my Savior. I call heaven and earth to record this meeting against you that I have set before you, boys and girls, young men, teenage boys, teenage girls, older people tonight, elderly people tonight, I want you to know that God is setting before you tonight the options of life in Jesus.
over against death outside of Jesus and eternal death if you die without him and eternal glory if you die in him. The options of being blessed or being under a curse. Do you know what I'm going to tell you? That's where we all were. But the Bible says, Jesus became a curse for us. He took it that you and I might be set free from it. Isn't that amazing? That's why John Newton wrote his hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And the servant of the Lord looked into that congregation, and then he said this, Therefore, choose life. Sometimes I say, what is that therefore, therefore? That therefore is there because of what has been said before. And because the things that were so clearly set out before the people were such clear issues, now the man of God pulls them toward the moment of choice. And someone said, salvation is for intelligent people possessed of moral responsibility and capable of moral choice. Intelligent people possessed with moral responsibility and capable of moral choice. You are a responsible person. You are an intelligent person. And God has endowed you and me with the power to choose. That's why he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Therefore, choose life. If it was set on a plate before us, life and death, and we were given the option and the opportunity to choose, we would choose life, and we would shun death. We would accept the best gift. We would make the sensible choice and say it will be life, life in Christ, life in Jesus, life for me, in his life, his life was given for my life. His life was given that you might have life. But it will never be yours unless you accept it, unless you embrace it, unless you reach out for it. Dr. Wilbur Chapman was a wonderful preacher and he was preaching in a convention or evangelistic series of meetings in Minneapolis. 
And there was a wealthy businessman in the locality whom people had been inviting to come to the meetings. But he didn't want to go to the mission. He had other things to do and bigger fish to fry. And so the more people invited him, the more angry he became until he resented the meetings, particularly and profoundly. But one evening, in the providence of God, as he was passing the stadium where, or the place where Dr. Chapman was preaching, whether the door was open or whatever it was, three words rang out and fell on his ear. Accept Christ now. God had got his man. No one knew in the building, but God had gotten his man. There was a difference in his behavior. People could see it, but there was nothing much said about it. That was the month of October. But on Christmas Day, he invited his wife and his family into his office. And then as they sat down, he said, I've got something to tell you. He said, I want to present you the best gift that I have ever given you as a father and a husband. He said, I want to tell you that you now have a Christian father and dear wife, you have a Christian husband. He had trusted Jesus. He had accepted the Savior. And it doesn't take a long sermon to bring somebody to the cross of Calvary. Three words that did what all the invitations couldn't do, but built up resentment in him until the Holy Spirit spoke into his heart and said, Accept Christ now. And sitting just a little after ten minutes to seven, my message is just the same as that of Dr. Chapman. If I could say anything that's of value, it would be this. Accept Jesus now. Just as you are, no cover-up, no cleaning up, no kind of putting yourself in the mood or mode, but just come as you are. Say, Lord, would you accept me if you knew the things that I have done? God says, I can deal with all that. Just come as you are. And I'm waiting for you. And you know, friends, tonight, this verse, you will look back at it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, you will say, you know, that was the night when I took the step. And God helping me, I made the choice. It will be Christ. It will be Christ for me. I have made my choice forever twixt the world and God's dear Son. Not can change my mind. No, never. He, my heart, has fully won. Take my friends and earthly friendships. Take them. Take them one and all. Give me Christ. My blessed Savior, He is sweeter than them all. And tonight he will become the sweetest and the fairest of 10,000 to your soul. He will become the prize of pearl of great price to your heart. 
And you will look back and say, thank God for that night when I came, just as I was, to the cross of Calvary and opened up to the Savior's invitation and put my hand in his hand and experienced his life. I cannot say more than to say that you have an opportunity of a lifetime to make the decision of a lifetime so that that choice will be a blessing to you 10,000 years from now. And you'll say, thank God, I got the courage of my convictions to leave my sin, to trust Jesus, and to experience his salvation. You will never, ever regret it. You will never, ever regret it. But if you don't, you may very well have a whole eternity to regret it if you miss God's salvation and die without Jesus. So you might need to come, and you might need to come tonight, is what I meant to say. You may not have another day. But there's one thing for sure. We will never have a meeting that is exactly like this meeting again. And the Holy Spirit who plays on your heart is tugging at you. And tonight he's calling you. Will you yield to his call? Will you trust him? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, this night, we thank you that in loving kindness Jesus came, our souls in mercy to reclaim. And from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, he can lift us. From sinking sands, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me from shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name, he lifted me. And Father, I pray this night, just as Moses looked into the eyes of his congregation and pleaded with them to choose life. And Lord, I've looked at this congregation and appealed to them in thy name to choose life. Oh, Lord Jesus, give them the help they need. Give them the strength they need, Lord. Give them the courage they need to do what needs to be done to receive the Lord Jesus, to trust the Savior, to come to the cross of Calvary by faith and receive the gift that is so freely offered. Oh, God, hear us, Lord, we pray. In these final moments of the service, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.